Hello, hello. What an honor to spend a moment with you and share with you one idea that I hope inspires you and helps you achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life. We all want to achieve something. We're all on a mission. We're all on in pursuit of one particular goal. For some of us, the goal may be very physical. You know, I want to buy a house. I want to get a new car. For some of us, it's more metaphysical. I want to feel joy, you know, that kind of thing. If you talk to anybody out there, we're looking for something. And this morning I woke up with with a story on my mind that I want to share with you. That is a story that's in the Bible. It's the story of the prodigal son. This is not a podcast on religion, and I, it, it's not about religion. It's just a story that most people have heard of in one way or another. And I want to use that story as the backdrop for an idea that I want to communicate to you today, right now. For those of you who may not have read the story in a while, it's the story essentially says, and this is a paraphrasing my own words, you had a father with two sons. Apparently the father was really well off, given by the fact that he had money to give an inheritance to his sons. One of the sons goes up to the father and requests his part of the inheritance while the father is still alive, takes his money, essentially. I'm filling in words and ideas, right? But takes his money and leaves the father's house. The Bible says that he squanders his wealth in essentially partying, right? And as long as he has money, there are plenty of parties, plenty of friends, but eventually everything was squandered, spent, gone, and now there are no more friends, no more parties, and he finds himself living at a pigsty, living with the pigs, eating with the pigs. Then one day he wakes up, realizing that the servants in his father's house live better than he does, and he decides to make his way back to his father's house, ask the father to forgive him for having left, and an opportunity to become one more servant, because it's better to be a servant in the father's house than to eat with the pigs. So he begins to make his way back to the father's house. The father meets him halfway, brings him back home, but rather than making him another servant, the father celebrates a banquet. Interestingly, the Bible says that his other brother questions the father and says, how can you give him a party and make him a banquet when he abandoned you and squandered your wealth, you know? And the father says, look, you've been here all along. You've had the best of the best, but he just came back. So it's important to celebrate a big party for his return. And this, in my own words, I haven't read this story in a long time, but in my own words, you know, this is a story that I've used uh, over the years in classes and services and stuff, you know, so that's more, that's the gist of the story. Apparently, this is a story that Jesus would have told and, you know, the parable of the prodigal son. So why do I bring up that story? There are several features of this story that I like, and in many ways, it has a lot to do with the work that I do. It's interesting that in the first phase of the parable, if you think of a parable as 
going down and then coming back up again, right? So this man was born in heaven, let's say, in the context of the parable. He was born in heaven at his father's house where he has everything. But then he goes down into the world, squandering wealth and losing everything. He, re- he hits some sort of rock bottom and then he comes back up again. Well, I can certainly identify with a parable and so can the people I work with because there's always a period of our lives when we're in some way or another, metaphorically speaking, squandering wealth, you know, particularly in youth. We're strong, we're arrogant in some, I was, you know, arrogant and and we think we know it all and we're strong and invincible and therefore I can do anything I want, you know, that kind of um, thing. And we end up hurting a lot of other people invariably. And we do waste a lot of energy. And it's normal. It's part of life. I did it. Everybody I know does it. It's, it's normal. And most people do hit some sort of rock bottom in one way or another. It's different for different people, both in quality and in intensity. In other words, For one person, they lost their job, another person had a major accident, another person lost a loved one, another person broke up with the love of their lives. And in other words, the the way the rock bottom happens changes, varies from person to person, and also the intensity. But if you look even in stories, there's always that climatic moment in the story where everything changes for the protagonist. And we are the protagonists of the story of our lives. There's a moment at which everything changes. Proverbially speaking, that's when we're eating with the pigs and we realize that there has to be a better way. Speaking of a better way in the explanation as to where A Course in Miracles came from, they talk exactly about that. Things were very difficult at the faculty, among the faculty in the Department of Psychology at Columbia University in New York back in the late 50s. And Helen and, and, and Bob, I think, or Bill, they, they think there has to be a better way. They begin to collaborate and, of course, in miracles comes about. But there's the rock bottom. There's the moment where things are just not working out. Again, intensity and quality vary, but there's always that moment. Translating all of this into into our work and bringing it to the extreme, that rock bottom can be burnout. So burnout is a term that I use and that others use to to describe a state in which we are really a rock bottom. Burnout is something that is really difficult to recover from without external help. When you look at things like hypothermia in medicine, you know, the body has the ability to generate heat. So if you feel cold, first we shiver, whatever, not to conserve heat. But then if you put on a jacket, the jacket doesn't create heat. What the jacket does is it preserves whatever amount of heat we can produce. It insulates against the heat loss to the environment, but it doesn't generate heat. And the reason why jackets work when we get cold is because we're still producing heat. The liver is producing heat by the combustion of, um, of, of, of energy, right? We're, we're burning up energy and we're producing heat. And so if you hold on to the heat by putting clothes on, then you can become warm again. But 
imagine a situation in which the process of producing heat shuts down the furnace, shuts down. Now, by insulating, we can preserve whatever little heat we have left over. I mean, the body has some heat, right, as compared to the environment when you're in the cold. But that's it. We're not producing anymore. That's defined as, you know, late-stage hypothermia. At that point, if you don't add heat to the body by actively warming them up, then they, they will not make it. So the same type of thing happens when we are in severe burnout. If you don't get the right kind of external help, it won't, it won't happen. They, they, they cannot recover on their own. It's not like, uh, oh, I have the blues because I broke up with my... You know, it's not that kind of thing. It's much more intense, and it does take appropriate external help for them to come out. And again, th what I'm describing in that severe case is the extreme case. But there are less extreme cases, you know, from which a person can recover without external help. You know, maybe they were depressed because they lost their job. They begin to read books. They get a different job, you know. So it is possible. Either way, the point I'm making is that every person, talk to anybody you want. And if, you, if they're willing to be honest and open up, you will see that all of us, Maybe if you're too young, you may not have experienced that yet. There's no particular age and there are no circumstances some people experience. But, but in one way or another, we all experience a breakdown, a crisis, a climax. You know, there's always a before and an after in our lives. If you live enough years, you're going to experience that. So the question is, what does the after the crisis look like? In the parable of the prodigal son, the son is trying to make his way back to the father's house. And it's interesting that there is a clear intention there. I'm going to ask my father to allow me to be one more servant. And one of the characteristics that I have noticed about people who recover from some degree of burnout is that they want to be a servant in one way or another. This is not my doing. I don't tell people this. In therapy, this is something that they say, I want to help. I've worked with people who are drug addicts, for instance, and they wanted to recover and then help other addicts uh, clean up as well. I've worked with people who unfortunately lost their children, a very severe problem, losing a child, and they wanted to, to heal and help other parents who lost children as well. And you find that when a person goes through that difficult period, that dark night of their soul, that burnout, that eating with the pigs, the bottom of the barrel sort of experience, when they recover on the other side, they do want to serve, contribute, and help in one way or another. And I, I, I've had um, good, I've had good fortune working with those people. I can help them recover and I can help them on their journey because on our journey back, we do encounter difficulties and problems. There's a mindset that we're driving towards something bigger and better. But on that journey, we do experience problems. We experience uh, all kinds of problems. And they can help them overcome those problems quickly so that they can get back on their journey quickly without taking too much of a, of a detour. Because a problem in the context of your journey onto a bigger and better place in your life can be a huge detour. 
So the idea there is to solve the problem quickly. So I'll give an example. The person had a crisis. They recover from the crisis. They want to live a different life. They want to be a more generous um, person. They want to contribute to their community. And they get on their way to to doing that. They, their heart has been opened. They're transformed, you know. And as they embark on this new journey, they notice for the first time, perhaps, that their obesity is an impediment to their mission because they're having trouble moving around. They're having trouble standing up for extended periods of time. They cannot walk. You know, their feet hurt too much because there's too much weight on their body. And so they had been obese before, but they didn't notice it. You know, we're unconscious of these things. Now they say, you know what? This no longer goes with me. I'm going to eat less and exercise more. I'm going to lose weight. They tried that for a week. It's not working for them. They realize that there are all kinds of habits, conditioning, programming in our minds that need to be overcome for the weight to come off. They call somebody like me. I help them quickly, effectively. The weight begins to come off. They're well on their way to their mission, to their bigger and better things, to their bigger life, right? Person person is on that same journey. They're on their way back to becoming a great member of their community, and they realize that their relationships are not working. They call me up, and we can sort this out. Either a peaceful resolution and separation, which has happened on a few occasions, or the rebuilding, the rekindling of the relationship in an exciting way. Same thing happens when a person realizes that they have the need and the desire to serve others, but there are not enough resources there. They want to be more prosperous. I can help them change their mindset so that money flows into their lives. But you see, it is all within the context of a bigger mission, a bigger vision. It's not like, yeah, I want to make more money so that I can buy more cars, whatever. That's all great, but it isn't enough to drive a person to make those mindset shifts. There has to be a bigger mission there. And let me be really frank here. I don't know if there has to be a bigger vision there. I'm telling you about the work that I do. It's possible that there are other ways of doing it. I'm talking about what I do. And so what you find is then the people who are naturally attracted to the sort of work that I do, the people who want what I do. Remember, by now I've done over 42,000 sessions, 12,000 people, private sessions, I'm saying, plus the group sessions, but I don't have a count of those, but but the private sessions, 42,000 plus. And so I have some sort of average, right? I mean, I've, I've done enough, there are enough samples there in this, in this, you know, for me to extract some conclusions, the people that have done the best, the people who enjoy the work, frankly, the people I enjoy working with are the people who do have a greater vision. They do have a greater mission, a greater vision. They they want bigger and better, but in a way that is conducive to a better planet, to a better community, to to better life as a whole. They are empathetic toward the problems that other people are experiencing. They acknowledge that there's a lot of it that we cannot help, but there's an empathy there. There is, there is a concern for our neighbor, even if we cannot do anything about it. So that's, uh, that's what's exciting. And uh, if this appeals to you, we can talk more about this. I would love to hear your comments on this and specifically the effect that you believe empathy has on the therapeutic process. 
and on your own journey in your own life? Has empathy been a big part of your life? That's the big question that I would love to hear your comments on. Well, mega blessings to all of you. And um, I'm hoping to hear from you soon. And uh, check out the new YouTube channel. We're getting lots of views, way more than before. There's a whole new concept over there. Uh, please check out the YouTube channel. And if you get value out of that information, please consider subscribing. I would love to, to have you as, a, in, as part of the big group here. Okay. Mega love to all of you. Mega blessings to all of you. Want to hear from you soon. Blessings and have a great day.